Good day and welcome to the Effect Podcast, episode 202, Going Loopy. I'm Dave. And I'm Matthew. And seriously, I thought um, I, I, I thought we might want to change that title, but we've gone with it now, so that's fine. <laughs> it's too late. We didn't have that conversation before we kicked off the episode. We so. did, yeah, we need to do that. As soon as you said it, I went, oh, I was going to say, are you okay with that title, actually? Because I just made it up on the spot of the moment. Like all of them are, you know, it's not like we have a three hour brainstorming session every week to decide <laughs> yeah. what our next episode is going to be called. Yes. And of course, it is a title that is vaguely connected to part of the content of this episode. Vaguely, yes. And that part of the content to which it is connected is the interview with Oz Mills, the author of They Grow Up So Fast, which is the new campaign book for Tales from the Loop. Indeed. You see? Loopy, <laughs> um, laughing at my own joke there, yeah. my own bad joke which there. Is, which is very, that, very bad form, Matt, to laugh at your own joke, particularly when the joke's shit. If the joke's brilliant, then you can get away with it. But this, it, it's yeah, not really, it's not even when really it's a, a shit joke. joke it? No, it's not even a no, pun. Absolutely, it's not very witty. So, uh, yeah. In, f- it, in fact, I, I discover myself as I edit these programs. I laugh at my own jokes a lot, and <laughs> maybe I should even start trying to cut that out of the edits. Um, yeah, and then before that, we've got uh, uh, all sorts of exciting and interesting news for the world of gaming. Uh, we don't have any new patrons this week, um, again, Dave. So you're <laughs> obviously failing in your uh, patron recruitment task that I gave you um, some time ago in my imagination. Yeah, I was going to say, we do have I, don't, lots I, don't remember, I don't remember that division of labour. And um, uh, yeah. No, um, no. You, you don't remember any division of labour, Dave, because I do it all. You, you turn up every couple of weeks, chat to me for an hour, and I do everything else. That, 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 is, that is true. That is, how it's, that is how it's become, isn't it? I do appreciate uh, all your effort there, Matthew. Yeah, I just turn up and guffaw for, for an hour and a half. Yeah. And then... Um, guffaw and act surprise. Exactly. <laughs> you just have a machine at this end that just guffaws randomly every, like, three minutes or something. And uh, uh, Well, a little bit later on, we're talking about AI, and I wonder whether I could get an AI guffaw <laughs> and acting surprise person. I think that could be uh, possible. You get some we ought can- to ask our can- programming friend... Get some canned guffawing. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, I think something more sophisticated. I'm sure Andy Brick could whip us up a guffawing and actually surprise thing with some sort of contextual stuff so that you don't act surprised <clears throat> when it's, say, Traveller or Year Zero. You do realise... We'll, we'll work on that. You do realise that these ridiculous kind of comments that you make here turn into six months of abuse against me on our Discord. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> oh, I, yes, I do. That's why I, I'm saying it. And naming our patrons. <laughs> Uh, a, la, a la Fury Road discussion from the other day. Yeah, I'm uh, loving that Fury Road discussion and the constant um, the constant trolling you're getting off Noble, uh, our patron Paul, who keeps putting greets you every day with a new gif from, from Fury, Fury Road. Road yeah. Yes, yeah. it's all good. I love I love bullying you. I'm, I, <laughs> we did have a discussion on the Discord about replacing you with somebody who you know appreciates art and stuff as opposed to a philistine and um I, or, I or you mean somebody somebody who has their own opinion and is happy to stand by it you mean yeah that i you know <clears> we we discussed maybe getting thomas on to replace you jonathan was very eager to replace you but <laughs> part of the problem with both of those two is i wouldn't be able to insult them on air like i do with you 
So it would be I've harder. decided to stick with you. It would be harder, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, I, you know, that's part of our shtick, isn't it? It's what I mean, the listeners come to expect. Morecambe and Wise wouldn't have been Morecambe and Wise if it had been Morecambe and Smith, now, would it? <clears throat> so No, no, you're uh, right, you're right. Not that, I'm, not that I'm saying that you're the funny man and I'm the straight guy, but, um, yeah. Yeah, Probably. but you are the one that guffaws and, um, and acts surprised. Uh, um, yes you know i'll give you a little bit of ammunition when i was a kid i used to think that morecambe and wise was the name of the tall man and he had the little gray-haired bloke by his side who was a sort of sidekick but wasn't mentioned in the title (laughs) i thought his name his first name was morecambe and his surname was wise McFly, McFly, yeah, okay. I have, you might not have wanted to admit to that one, pal. But I'm going to check that it's. I'm going to check that it's still in the in the podcast that you don't edit it out. <laughs> no, I'm good with this. I'm good with this. I will say it's when I, it was before I could read. It's when I was about four, so you know I wasn't reading the titles and okay. noticing the okay. there. But uh, I did. You, did you I have a lot of friends so called? Funny. Did you have a lot of friends called Morkerman? <laughs> no, nobody. Uh, only people on television have got strange names like Morkerman. <laughs> uh, that's quite funny. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to name a character somewhere Morkerman now. <laughs> I think that's got to be done. <clears throat> when he comes up in our next Toto adventure, I'll know exactly what you're referring to. Uh, we do have a little joke in uh, in Toto at the moment, which is. Um, you know, we have our whole shtick of, of giving each other a hard time over non-player character names. Yeah, uh, yeah. Tony uh, gave himself a list of names specifically to de- defeat that problem. Um, but All right. On, on one week, he, he we, you know, we came up with a random NPC and he, he looked down his list and he, he said, oh, yeah, he's called Richard Jacobs. OK, cool. Um but he then failed to cross him off his list. So a couple of weeks later, <laughs> we came across Richard a random Jacobs NPC came. who was, oh, he's called Richard Jacobs. And so basically the joke is now that everybody is called Richard Jacobs. It's the biggest family. <laughs> Even in the Star Trek game, Connor's character is Richard Jacobs. <laughs> oh, uh, no. oh, so you've started your Year Zero Star Trek game, have you? Yes. Yeah, yeah. First, um, we did a Session Zero last week. Um yeah, I just got the urge to play Star Trek again. And um, mm-hmm. having having done all my Year Zero rules oh, a long time ago, I decided to dust them off and um, and see if they're in a state to try and run anything. And, I mean, there's lots of gaps in it, um, but I can make up quite a lot of stuff on the hoof. And, but there is enough, yeah, pretty much. You frequently do. I, I often regularly, consistently yeah. do, in fact. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, started running that again, and, and that was, that's, it's, well, I'm really enjoying it, and the players seem to be really enjoying it, and the session zero is quite long, because there's a, there's a big life path thing, and the, the whole point is that you are, I've cribbed a few bits off um, Star Trek Adventures, so the idea of values is in there, which I, which I like mm. very much in Star Trek Adventures, um, and so your life path is supposed to generate those values as you go through it. Those so values, yeah. So it's yeah. quite, it's quite. I mean, involved is the wrong word, but it's quite it's quite a lot to it to try and go through that. And what um, do those values give you in terms of a mechanical effect? Well, I haven't really decided that yet. I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit you're making up. So, yeah. So I was kind of thinking that if you uh, if you can invoke your value, then so I'm using momentum as a as the push mechanic. 
So you right, gain, okay. so, so you gain momentum when you roll sixes on your first roll. You can't gain it on a pushed roll. And then as that's mm-hmm. but that's group momentum. So everyone then gets to spend that. So I was thinking. Maybe so every six gets you a point of momentum, does it? Or, yeah, it or does at the moment. More than X. Yeah. So so in the first iteration, it was every six that you roll on the first roll of any skill gains you a point of momentum. But that was too much. So they were gaining right. by, by the end of the scenario or by the end of the session, they'd gained about ten momentum and weren't spending it very quickly. Um, mm. So that's probably too much. So it might just be that if you roll any sixes on the first roll, you gain one momentum. Or it could be that for every six after the first one, you gain a point of momentum, yeah. perhaps, something like that. So we need to play test that, that. That was the one that, I mean, obviously, it, we're talking here about, you know, riffing not just off the genre of Star Trek, but riffing off a published game. Absolutely, but yeah. in terms of the spirit of Star Trek Adventures, I feel it feels to me that every six after the first one gets you momentum. And yeah. then you spend momentum... A point for momentum is is a reroll, is a push, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And then thinking yeah. that you you could spend more momentum to gain extra dice if you wanted to, and then I was also thinking that if you invoke your your value, that automatically gives you a momentum that you spend immediately. <clears throat> but ah, yeah. But I'm not so sure at the moment. So at the minute, it's just being used as a as a as a role playing, um, a role playing. Um, the word I'm looking for trigger you know like hook mm. for the players um as I said there's quite a lot of blank spaces in in the game but uh but yeah seem to be enjoying it they they're um the campaign is 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 set at the time in the movies before undiscovered country so Klingons are still enemies and um yeah they're, they're doing some exploration around Gorn space at the moment so I've always loved the Gorn as a species that I feel is very underrepresented in uh, in Star Trek games. Oh, you haven't seen Star Trek's Change New Worlds, have you? No, I haven't. No. Uh, okay. Right, there's there a Gorn, Gorn episode in there. Okay, yeah, there's a Gorn episode in Enterprise as well, which uh, yeah, which is fine. But I think in game terms, I haven't seen much in the way of. I don't. Uh, well, I, I, Modifies have put out a lot of scenarios for Star Trek Adventures, and I obviously haven't seen most of them. So there might be some Gorn mm. stuff in there, but I haven't come across it. Uh, and I always found the Gorn really interesting. Um, certainly more interesting than your standard Romulans and Klingons uh, as something mm. that's worth exploring. So this campaign is going to work. It's going to be involve the Gorn quite a lot. Um, but it's good fun. And, right. it's, and it seems to work. Like, like I said, I mean, I, I've got no idea what I'm going to do with it. I mean, I guess one day I could just put it out as a fan thing. Of, uh, you know, for yeah. free for or, people to play if they want. But. How about this? Obviously, you know, Modifius have got the Star Trek license, and even they, when they lose it, um, it would go to somebody else, I'm sure. And, and be very leave. expensive. <laughs> <laughs> but what about the Orville license? Yeah. Who's got that, I wonder? I don't know. I don't know. Um, now, the, the have Orville you seen is, the Orville? I haven't. I was just going to say, it's interesting. I, so I've. I'm I'm aware of it, and I'm aware it's 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 a lot of people say it's more Star Trek than Star Trek is, um, but I've never I've never actually watched it. I'd guess it's more next generation than any other Star Trek is. Yeah. Um, you see that they've cancelled Discovery finally. Well, they haven't yet. They're doing another series, but, but they have said the series will be the last. Yeah. 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 
So, um, you know, that's 10 seasons. Uh, sorry, not 10 seasons. That's um, five seasons of, I think, roughly 10 or 12 episodes each. Um, of Orville? No, of, um, of, of, of Discovery. Discovery in the end. I gave up after season is... two. I haven't watched any of it after that. Um, season four is the best yet. Is it? Yeah, <laughs> but not great. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. No, uh, no, the I best haven't... season of Discovery isn't, isn't exactly high praise. But I no. managed to watch it all through, you know. So uh, I haven't, I haven't that's started. That's a win. I haven't started watching season three of Picard. I'm not even sure if I ever watched season two of Picard. Did I ever watch that? Oh, I don't know. So I don't know. Season just... three, I am feeling. Uh, so I've just watched the third episode, and that was better than the second episode. The second episode right. really pissed me off. Okay. Uh, which is a kind of, oh, we're in a bit of a pickle. Let's wait 45 minutes so that we can turn this little bit of a pickle into an episode. Yeah. Right, That's okay. it, pretty much. Poor, some poor um, writing going on. Yeah, mm. and there was a... Uh, no, I won't spoil anything. I, I understand there's Season... a huge nostalgia element to it and drawing all the old next generation characters back into it somehow. Yeah, well, there are some good things. Worf can finally actually fight, which is nice to see. I've <laughs> never actually seen him be uh, undefeated in any previous episode of Star Trek. <laughs> but this time he actually won. Um, okay. So that was good. Uh, there's some nice bits. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to spoil it for no, you. No, no, no. Um, I probably cause... will watch it eventually. But if I if I want my if I want to, if I want to get my 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 Star Trek itch scratched on on television or on on movies i find that i go back to you know the undiscovered country is particularly good and um i love undiscovered Country and wrath of khan of course and i I was just watching i was watching the the final 15 minutes of um undiscovered country again the other night and that fight at the end is just really it's just what i as a star trek fan want to say i want to see the excelsior flying in and then getting hit a couple of times and you know, people shouting "Excelsior's hit" and stuff. That's it. that's what yeah. Star Trek is all about for me. That kind of space battle, it was very cool, mm. and that's the kind of thing I'm trying to recreate with Star Trek um, Year Zero. But uh, yeah, yeah. One thing that pisses me off about Third Generation, and I am going to spoil this. It's not Third Generation. Third series of Picard um, is they've nicked the concept of a portal weapon from the game Portal. And okay. they haven't hidden it at all. It's called a portal weapon. <laughs> and it works in exactly the same way as Portal does. In the, um, game, in the game Portal? In the game Portal. Okay. It opens up a round portal and a spaceship flies through it or whatever, or a building drops through it. And these are big clues. And then comes out of another round portal. Um, right. Pisses me off every time it happens. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, um, that's enough. That's enough Star Trek, and that's enough introduction. Shall we get on to the world of gaming? <laughs> yes, <laughs> let's. Um, what have we got to talk about in the world of gaming today? AI well, art. That's AI. Been... Yes. Well, not just AI art. AI content production generally, I think, is still. Yeah, but mostly uh, AI art is it's still a, a, a bigger issue. Yeah. Um, go on then. 
Tell us about AI. So art. yeah, uh, I'm very disappointed that they have not yet made an AI co-host, so I can't get rid of you quite yet. <laughs> um, but it's coming, Dave. Let me tell you, it's coming. Uh, uh, but both. Uh, well, so last week, I remember feeling a little bit aggrieved that I read about Chaosium's ban on AI art in their community content program just after we'd recorded our community content program. And I thought, we could have talked about that in the world of gaming. It would have been a great segue to the community content we talked about. Um, but yeah, they, they've banned AI art from their community content program. And then later on in the week, Pezo Did exactly said, the same. The, well, yeah, uh, they also said we're not going to use... So Chaosium had previously, months ago, said we're never going to have... Um, AI art in our in the in the books that we publish, yeah. But they've now extended that to the community content. Azo have come out saying we're not going to have it in our books or in um in any community content. Yeah. In fact, you yeah. found out a lovely quote from them somewhere. What did it say? Um. So they said. Um, well, this, yeah. So this isn't. I don't think this is a direct quote, but said the the statement makes it clear. That Paizo believes AI art and writing are a serious threat to the livelihood of its creative partners and workers, and it wants a human touch in all its products moving forward. This extends to products on the community content marketplace for both Pathfinder and Starfinder. And I think that's an interesting point because I've certainly seen uh, commentary suggesting that you know uh, AI is being used to generate text as well as art. And mm. even if the AI art issue is the bigger one at the moment, you know, the the iceberg closest to the ship, the um, you know it's the thin end of the wedge because the same will apply to AI content, written, written content in due course, and I think p people are right to be to be a bit concerned. Um, yeah, and it's great that they're taking this stand because uh, I mean the human well, element I have, I, is is very I have very slightly important. Um, a slightly. I'm slightly torn by this uh, in community. Well, let's let, let's divide the two things up: AI text and AI art. First of all, AI text. Um, I, I've seen a few posts saying, "Oh, look, I asked my um, uh, you know Chat GPT or whatever to write a RuneQuest scenario, and it's not bad." Mm. And then you look at it, and it is bad. It's very bad. It mm -hmm. kind of you know it, it's obviously gone through it, the internet. It's pulled together some stuff about RuneQuest and, and Glorantha and um, it, you know, it makes sense. You know, it, it pulls in some of the gods and stuff, some of the mythos. Uh, but basically it says kind of uh, uh, something like um, ra raiding and stealing each other's cattle is... Is, is quite common in Glorantha. Uh, maybe you could have an adventure where you do a raid and steal someone's cattle, which, frankly, if I need a prompt to make me think maybe I could have an adventure where I do a raid and steal someone's cattle, then then yeah. I shouldn't be a GM. Your, your imagination has and failed it, spectacularly. And it doesn't it? come up, you know, what I want is it comes up, and it may eventually do this, of course, it may come up with a brilliant protagonist or antagonist who is in you know the chieftain of this other tribe that whose cattle you want to steal but it is nowhere near providing that yet it leaves the gm to do all the heavy lifting yeah and what worries me a little bit is maybe 
unscrupulous game companies will say, oh, I've written the outline of adventure for you. No, they haven't. <laughs> so I'm not going to even pay you your 5p a word or whatever. I, you know, but could you edit this for like, shall we say 3p a word? Does that sound fair? And yeah. editing that will be, will be a massive amount of creative work, but it worries me that people will get paid less for it. Yeah. But, so definitely no AI uh, text I feel uh, there is no place for AI text and character generation. We want human imaginations in there. We we don't want somebody trawling the internet and stitching ideas together because they don't. It doesn't do it very well. It may do it better in the future, but at the moment it doesn't. Yeah. Um, no, I, I agree. I agree with all of that, <clears throat> and I think you can you can often see the uh, almost the, the the framework within which the AI is working in the in the structure of the texts. Or mm. you know, the structure of whatever it is that is being produced, because they are following a, a pattern. And the, the great thing yeah. with human, human imagination is it breaks out of those kind of patterns um, and creates something that is genuinely new and fresh. So, uh, and I agree. Well, and I haven't seen that particular one on, on RuneQuest, but um, yeah, I mean, you as a, as a as a writer writing, you know, a source book or a scenario, you may well put plot hooks in. Or ideas for, mm. for for the GM to pick up, you know, and run with. But it would almost certainly be more than just mm, go and steal some cattle. Yeah, <laughs> you know? and you know, and and it may, you may even have a sentence that says, you know, you could steal some cattle. But actually, the bulk of what you've written is something entirely different with worked up characters and stuff um, that your people can can encounter. And that sort of, if it's another plot hook, that's almost like one of the. F- one of the lines you might get in the mission generator f- uh, tables at the back of loads of free league products, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know that that's a that is all it's worth. Which is, I'm not saying it's, you know, it's a thing you shouldn't include. Those mission generator tables can be great fun and prompt a way of thinking, but um, but that you know that's it. It's it's those four lines. But instead, you've had to read four hundred lines of text to get to. Oh, maybe you could have people stealing some cattle. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, text isn't there yet. Art is more impressive. And here I do feel a slight... I'm torn a little bit because I love illustrated text. I think, yep. weirdly, A-Art does some fabulous... AI art does some <laughs> fabulous stuff for Coriolis. You know, merging... You know, because because its basic principle is merging images and bits of images from various other sources into something kind of new you know it kind of does that you know if you want to describe what is um you know architecture like in coriolis ai ai does quite a good job of of doing that um and you know loads of people can't draw i went to art college for four years and i can't draw (laughs) (laughs) so um, whereas most of us as role players can write to some degree, whether it's worth publishing or not is um, maybe changeable for individuals. But everybody can have a go at getting their ideas down on paper in written form. Art is more difficult. And part of me, I mean, I, I you know, as I guess an ex-artist, and, you know, I, I fully support the idea that... Uh, that you should buy 
art if you can't do it. But loads of people producing something you're going to sell for two pound fifty on Joy Through RPG. If that most of most people do, pay what you want. If they weren't able to use AI art, I feel we're kind of shutting them out of the community. Mm. So I guess there's there's two sides of this, isn't there? So I, I, I see that. And I see that there's, you know, the AI art can produce some pretty stunning imagery. You know, it, it, some of it's really, you know, pretty good. Um, but I think there's there's the there's that side of it where, you know, a, a person sitting at home in their office creating their own thing gets a nice bit of art that they couldn't otherwise create. Um, but on the other side of it, you've got all the artists who are trying to make, you know, some mm. level of living out of their talent and their skill, which is something that not everybody possesses and um, it, it will inevitably reduce the amount of work that is out there for them. Now that person in their study might never have the money to go and commission artwork for this document they want to produce. Therefore there's no, there's no art being lost, but there'd be a gray area in the middle somewhere where someone is losing out on the opportunity to, to, to use their talent, to create fresh art. Um, and then they're not because the AI art yeah. is, is 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 taking over some of that space. It is a difficult oh, one. I, 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 th I think I think overall it's a good it's a good thing that that um, Chaosium and Paizo and others are saying no, we don't want this for our our, our flagship IPs, our content. Um, yeah, I, I guess there's an issue about policing it. How you know is there is there a, is there a, is there an unfortunate or sad world where you get people pointing fingers at other people's content on like their you know their content um community content um you know well, i tell you what like, you'll get them pointing saying, fingers if the saying, fingers on the figures in there have six fingers and saying which sometimes happens with AI yeah art. and saying you know and saying oh that's yeah. that's 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 ai art that's ai prove, that's prove, not real prove, you didn't do prove that it's, prove it's not and that would be a pretty unpleasant place to get to really i think yeah yeah <clears throat> It's interesting, actually, because after um, after Chaosium made their announcement, and I was pissed off that we hadn't been able to include it in our last episode, mm -hmm. I wrote to Thomas uh, yes. and uh, asked him, uh, have you got an attitude, uh, a policy? What, an, an What's opinion? going on yep. in Free League in this one? And Thomas um, came back to us and also copied Nilsson, so uh, I kind of... Yeah, Nils, I kind of feel is production bod uh, in terms of their uh, their various leadership roles. So that was interesting. And he said, hello, we have no interest in AI art and don't use it. We haven't made any statement about forbidding its use in community content. I'm not sure we could ever please that, mm. but we'll see. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, yeah. it's interesting. Um I guess there's quite a lot left of this story to run out, so um, we'll see how it develops over, yeah. over time. And I, I, would, very, if I... I very much doubt AI art is going away anytime soon, is it? So it's uh, it's going to be an issue for a long yes, time. Yes, it's not. Yeah, you, you know, the cat is out of the bag. Yeah, uh, you can't you can't get it back in. Um, that's not the right metaphor for that. It's something about worms of the can. I, I honestly can't remember which which is the right metaphor. It's it's, <laughs> um, it's close enough, mate. It's okay. But, you know, I'm pleased that we are commissioning our fabulous artist for the work that we've done so far on Tales of the Old West. And yep. I would continue to use them or 
uh, if they can't do it for us, somebody similar and produce real human art. At the same time, I kind of feel that if I were producing a bunch of stuff, Coriolis content, I've had a lovely idea for a Coriolis adventure, actually. Mm. Um, and, you know, may maybe AI art would even be appropriate sometimes there. Um, so I don't know. I don't know whether I would use it if I was just doing it for myself on a, on a free league workshop thing. Yeah. Um, it would be tempting to, and anyway, considering how good it could be. So Yeah. And th there is, of course, there's the other argument that uh, John, John, John Handiwork Games makes, whose surname I've just forgotten, <laughs> who used to do loads of stuff for Cubicle 7, uh, uh, used to be art director for Cubicle 7. His Mask Witches... Um, Mask witches of the last words of names. Are, are... Anyway, his mask witches project. It was expressly used AI art, and he said, in this case, AI art is just like a pencil. It's a tool that I am using to draw. Um, yeah, and he does yeah. really good art. He can draw, so that's another interesting thing to think about. Anyway. Shall we move on to the next item in the uh, world yes. gaming? Yes. Icon. Merkboy Icon has been released. So I, yeah. I I, didn't back this. I didn't. I'm not so interested in it. Um, so. Uh, Are you going to go for an act surprise then, Dave? <laughs> Always, <laughs> Matthew. Go. Always. That's my key. That's my number one objective on my on my list of things to do for every episode. Have I told you my little anecdote about why Icon is so late? Uh, I think you have, but tell me again. Go on. It's a good one. <laughs> Go ahead and tell our listeners. <laughs> so the fun thing about Icon is this was uh, kick-started ages ago. Feels like a decade ago. It wasn't quite that long. And very excitedly, um, we got Icon. And it came with one or uh, it was kick-started around the same time as one of the sort of fanzine publications not ferretry, I think, but heretic or whatever. Heretic, I think it was. Um, mm. And so I, I got a parcel of this stuff uh, and opened it up. And Icon is a little box full of little books. But what I didn't know at the time was that over in Morkborg Central at the Stockholm Cartel, mm. uh, they were furious about the idiot mistake that somebody had made in the printing. And... The idea was that you got this box full of little black books with nothing on the covers. And you pick one of these books out at random and open it up and there's something horrific, uh, basically, that will spark an adventure or, you know, uh, add a random element to an adventure you're currently on. Or, you know, use it in all sorts of ways. But the idea was there would be nothing on the covers of the book so you wouldn't know which book you're picking out. <laughs> And the printer, when they were producing these, went, well, this has got to be wrong, hasn't it? These little black books here have got brilliant, ornate red writing on the inside. I think they've made a mistake with their PDF files. I'll put the red writing on the outside so that you know which book is which. And uh, did that, you know, imagining <clears throat> that he was saving the Stockham cartel a world of heartache and a massive reprint. Yeah. But in the end, of course, what happened was a world of heartache and a massive reprint <laughs> yeah. to, get, to get the covers the right way out, and uh, which is to say the blank side out and the, and the writing on the inside. So that's why it's taken so long uh, yeah. for Icon to be released onto the general market. <clears throat> uh, 
Yes, the. Uh, I hope I told that in a suitably different way, so that you were not as bored as hearing it for the second time. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, and uh, as I always say, assume puts an ass between you and me. So. <laughs> uh, yes. So, um, talking of Kickstarters, there's another Kickstarter coming up. There is in ooh, nine days from the point of recording. Um, and that is the launch of the Walking Dead universe on Kickstarter. And did you see something about and back a kit as well? Yeah, I'm confused by this, but I mm. think our patrons have explained it to me. So I've seen two links, one to a Kickstarter page that says, you know, sign up here if you want to be alerted, which is the usual thing. But also one to back a kit, which kind of says sign up here if you want to be alerted. Um so I I I I I published both pictures on our Discord and said I'm confused. Which are they doing? Because <laughs> Backerkit does do its own uh, crowdfunding now. It isn't just about um, you know it used to be really just about doing the after funding surveys and fulfilment. Um, but it does do its own crowdfunding. So I said, are, are they are they publishing it on? Are they raising money on both of these crowdfunding platforms? And I think um, Hoodoo, uh, Craig, has explained to me that, no, this is just something that um, Backerkit do for their clients, which is they, you know, leverage their database and create a holding page. But I believe if you're signed up there, you will at the appointed time get directed to the well the kickstarter walking dead page but but it's interesting there's slightly more information about the game available on the backer kit page than there is currently on the kickstarter page okay i haven't looked at either of them um yeah but yeah so that's march the 14th that comes to kickstarter so yeah yeah i'm i'm we've talked about it before i'm i I'm quite excited about this. I, it's exactly the kind of you thing and your I'm zombies, thinking. Dave. I know you love your zombies. Well, me and my post-apocalyptic, well, at least good post-apocalyptic, anyway. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, I, I suspect I will back it. I haven't backed much lately because for various reasons, um, not least the fact that my income has been severely <laughs> curtailed. But um, I, I might well back this one. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. Uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of zombies, so I'm not sure I will, but uh, they might sell it to me. I mean, hopefully, I think, didn't they say that you know, backers will get uh, early alpha of the rules? In which uh, case, they, I might, you know... They usually do, yeah. Well, yeah, but not not an early alpha of the rules like six months after the campaign has ended. But I think you could always download... I think they are expecting to release that early on in the campaign so you can make your final decision while the campaign is still going. Okay. And I might therefore do that and uh, look into those rules there. I want to see some novelty. They talk a bit about how it's not just about running away from zombies, but it's about social interactions and stuff. And this is stuff that you and I are interested in. It's your favourite part of um, uh, Mutant Year Zero. Uh, so yeah, well, I'd like to see some innovative rules there that hopefully haven't been nicked from the work that we've done for them elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's that you know, the the world building and survival element of it is is kind of the most interesting thing for me. You know, the mm. zombies as your backdrop is fine, 
But, you know, as anyone who's watched The Walking Dead all the way through, the zombies become less and less important. And it's... Yeah, you know, it yeah well, to... even from the first series, actually, the first series very, very carefully said, this is about how humans work together in this shitty situation. Or yeah. not, of course. Yes, absolutely. Um, um, so, so, you know, the, 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 walk, the Walking Dead are, are simply that context, that background. And they obviously are a threat, of mm. course. Um, yeah. But it's not, it's not the key element of the game that I'm looking forward to to looking into it's the um you know the, the world building and and how you your 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 community creation side of side of the game i think it's going to be really interesting i think also i mean it'll be interesting i suspect this won't be explored because it's not explored in the series but um you know how shortages of stuff like cars and fuel yeah. and guns and bullets which seems to be you know conveniently ignored for the TV series, where they're still driving around well, three years later when any fuel would have been unusable sort of after six months or something. So I wonder if they'll look at that. Is at it? All, I don't know. Does does fuel does fuel go off? I think it does, yeah. I think it does degrade. Oh, that's interesting. So, I'd assume, obviously, it evaporates, but um, if it's in a sealed barrel... Oh, well, we'll discover. Yeah. Of course... But also, things like guns... This idea though, of shortage... You know... Go on, mate, go on. Yeah, because this idea of shortage is a thing that Free League do in a number of their games. Yes. So I'd like to think it's going to be in, in this one as well. Um, but we shall see. We shall see. Indeed. Cool. Um, what else do we have to talk about? I, that might be it. For That's it, gaming, I think, for the world it? of gaming. Cool. So Dave and I have got with us in the Hammam today, Oz Mills, who um, has burst onto our little free league scene <laughs> with the announcement of a new campaign for Tales from the Loop. Uh, so Oz, welcome. Welcome. Hi there. Thank you very much for having me. It's, it's really good uh, to be here, to have this opportunity to talk about uh, this kind of thing. You folks are actually the first people who I'm uh, openly talking to about this. So uh, congratulations, yeah. I guess. Cool. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> and of course, um, we got another scoop. Excellent. At the time of recording, that campaign, uh, they grow up so fast, yes. is uh, available for pre order. And if yes. you pre order it, you get the PDF straight away. Mm -hmm. But Oz, maybe um, before we start talking about that, we should ask you the question we traditionally ask everybody sure. please, can you tell us about your life in gaming? My life in gaming. Um, well, so much like many people who are around my age. So I'm, I'm uh, if I recall correctly, I'm 38 years old. Um, my wife usually corrects me on that one. I think I'm 38. Um, <laughs> and uh, I remember from uh, from a younger age, about 15 or, or, or so, I remember playing games like Neverwinter Nights and Knights of the Old Republic on, on my computer, yeah. not understanding them at all so many stats that didn't explain themselves and and so on and it wasn't until i was about 21 and one of my friends mark introduced me to uh to dungeons and dragons i was in a shared house he brought up the idea of playing with us um uh, and running a game and we started our first game of dungeons and dragons and at that point i went oh this is why all these stats exist that's what these are and so from then on things kind of snowballed into um, about 20 years ago playing Dungeons and Dragons now 
with shelves full of of all sorts of different games, not enough time to run any of them, a full family life. That means I don't get to spend nearly as much time as maybe I'd like with with some of these things. Um, but it wasn't until uh, about 2015 that I first jumped into the idea of, of writings for these things. And that was with uh, Green Ronin back in the day, uh, with their Dragon Age uh, game. I had recently gotten very much into the Dragon Age video game, and I thought, art the hell with it. Let's mm-hmm. let's pitch at them. Uh, they had uh, they had a, a a writer call out, and they asked for um, people to to send them pitches, uh, to send them ideas for new uh, NPCs, if I recall. And I sent them an idea that they didn't pick up, but they asked me to do some writing for them. And from then on, it it was uh, switching halfway between running and playing games and and writing games. Um, and so I'm a I'm a uh, nearly twenty year player. I'm an around fifteen year GM, uh, which means that. My playing experience is about five years because once you become a GM, of course, you never stop becoming a GM because mm-hmm. you can never find a, a, a new group that doesn't have uh, that. Um... Wants you to play with them. Yeah, yeah. Be, just because, you know, once you become a GM, you're creating the groups. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's most of my uh, most of my escalation from newfound player to uh, to where we are today, which is um, in 20... 2017 late 2017 this situation happened which is the the start of they grew up so fast so it's actually quite a long time ago that the whole thing started that that's really interesting i did ask our patrons whether any questions um they wanted to ask him one of them did say why did it take so long now i wasn't going to answer that because i think that was just a a gentle you know rub at um free league for spacing out their releases for individual games for a long time. But how come it took you so long to produce this game? We're talking, what, six years? Well, um, I think that was the perfect segue from your life in gaming to actually the, the what we're going to talk, talk about. So perfect. have you done podcasting before? You are a natural. <laughs> I, I've done a few. Uh, I've done a few podcasts before. Um, none none that really got very far. I had a friend that wanted me to talk about Godzilla being someone who has never seen Godzilla before. And so he had me <laughs> watching all of the classics from the first one onwards. Um, and they were terrible, but, um, <laughs> when, um, but uh, yeah, I, 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 it's, it's just exciting to be able to talk about things. If I do go on a bit, please feel free to interrupt me. I'm not going to be insulted or anything like that. That's okay. Um, but it's all in... content to us. We don't edit much. <laughs> Brilliant. That was Brilliant. really nice. Uh, He's just a, yeah, Oz, you're just content to us. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know. Where's the, you know, the hustle lifestyle. I get it. Um, you so, have those words, Oz. So, you know, they're all minute. <laughs> uh, so you were asking about the uh, why it took so long, quote unquote. So I'm not actually internal to Free League, so I can't speak for them. However, uh, I can I can speak of the, the things that I did see. Um, which is that um, late 2017 is when I first pitched them. I sent them a um, an email, if I recall. Um, I think I've had a clear out of my email since then. I tried to find it recently, but mm-hmm. I basically sent them a message asking, hey, um, 
am I okay to pitch you? I have this idea about a story. Um, and it's based on a trope of um, a trope of kids are on bikes themed mm. stuff, quote unquote, um, which I don't think you've touched on before. And uh, I, they were like, oh yes, that sounds interesting. Can you give us a larger pitch? And so I sent them a thing. It was one page for each section of a long campaign which is what the book is is mm -hmm. uh, four adventures in a row about the same thing um and they they were interested they had some feedback on that um uh they suggested a, a few changes and then contracts happened and i started writing it and it was uh, several months later down the line so in mid 2018 that i get gave them my first my first draft for the work um and basically, um, I I didn't hear from them. Well, I, I heard from them. There was uh, occasionally a back and forth, but I didn't hear of progress to that for a little while. And it was pretty clear soon afterwards why, because they just had a large franchise that wanted to work with them on, I believe it was Alien that came out soon afterwards <laughs> um, and, uh, and the, things like the that. The reason I've been so busy is I'm finishing off the, the next supplement for that, right, as we speak. Oh, <laughs> but, uh... oh perfect. It's all a bit, yeah. Um, I'm I'm very much looking forward to that because I I've I've run a few alien games myself. I very much enjoy the system. Um, I I'm very interested in seeing uh, how a supplement that handles a campaign would work rather than a, a shorter one. I don't know what their next plans are, but I'm interested to see how they expand on that. But yeah, I I think that's maybe why we didn't see there were other things coming out for Tales from Loop that I think they were further on, mm. uh, but not campaigns. They were all these one shot books that they put out again i cannot speak for them um i do not know their internal uh, processes why these happened however um as i said during that time stuff did come out but then alien came out and i didn't see much movement in this um until um they they came back to me uh last year early last year i believe uh, and asked me to do a, a couple of extra edits uh some some extra drafts um, they had a, a good number of comments on things that were a bit slow, a bit um, needed more detail. Um, apparently, I have no idea what Swedish names are, uh, and that's an entirely fair comment. So this was Nils, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it could that... be Nils. I, I, I think yeah. it was Nils and a few others. Um, so um, because I have in no the book, idea what Swedish names are either. That was, uh, that was almost <laughs> exactly the same words. <laughs> it, exactly. Um, so. Uh, with the with the second draft, one of the bits of feedback I had was that um, because in in the core book everything is Swedish and then has a has an English Bold, alternative. Bolder, this is set in yeah, yeah. It, this is set in England, so it has English and then the Swedish. Mm -hmm. um, and so in in those situations, what um, I tried to put in Swedish names turns out that the um, I used a name generator for most of them, and it turns out that that was not Swedish. I think it was Finnish or something <laughs> like that. Um, so oh, they went through and changed dear. a lot of them. Um, yeah. Well, I'm I'm married to a Swede, so oh, that was a bad move. <laughs> <laughs> um, Luckily, they're very forgiving. They people, are, and and they so. basically just said to me, just put in what you have now, and we'll go through and edit them and change them because we have a better idea of how to do this, um, which was very kind of them, um, and. Then over time, uh, you know, they'd, they'd occasionally update me on, on what was going on. But just recently that I got an email saying, hey, we're about to announce that this thing happened. Uh, this thing is going out. 
I think mm-hmm. I basically got an email the same day that they were planning to announce it. Um, and at which point I quickly wrote a couple of tweets and had them in the back burner um, and got excited just alongside them, which was Ooh. which was great. Brilliant. OK, yeah, so, so you mentioned a couple of things like uh, a little uh, hint at a trope that hasn't been explored thus far yes. in this particular Kids on Bikes game. Can you yes. tell us a bit more about that? So the the entire concept behind this book was that I had noticed that um so a lot of um a lot of kids on bikes kind of settings or setting uh, settings where kids are dealing with adults and supernatural stuff at the same time mm-hmm. there tends to be many shows or movies where kids find a thing that they have to keep hidden from them. And oftentimes this is some kind of living thing. Um, so for example, E.T. is the classic one yeah. we all think about. Um, Stranger Things 2 did this with um, one, of the, creature, yeah. the, one of the creatures in that. Um, Water Horse is an example with the Loch Ness Monster. There are several of these. Um, mm-hmm. I don't even think this have, has a TV tropes page, but it is a concept it that- be, shouldn't it? it should. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, Five Children and It is- Yes, the, yes. You know, pre-TV one as well, um, adapted. Yes. Um, and so I I moved forward with the concept behind that and was able to talk to them about what if we had um, a year, much like in the course, core rule book, except we had it based around kids trying to keep this thing away from, from a certain extent and look after it and make sure that um, it survives. And of course, the idea of the players... Sorry, I just stepping back a bit there there is always the idea of when players play a role playing game you introduce an innocent creature to them in some way that they consider adorable and they will latch onto it they will either name it or or consider it part of their group or something like that mm. and allowing players to do this and have some sense of ownership over uh, looking after something like that having a pet basically mm-hmm. um and growing that alongside the already existing concepts in the game such as the the hideout that they, the the kids build and things like that. Um, and you have the opportunity for kids to really grow to care about something in that universe if they don't already. Mm. Um, and basically that's that's what the, the game is. The, the game starts with the kids being introduced to the concept behind this creature, um, how it all, uh, how they discover it, how, um, and how the, the year moving forward goes on with the creature growing it its own way and growing alongside the kids mm-hmm. um, and how that affects their life, how that affects them in some perhaps supernatural ways um, and how um, how that affects the world and the adults around them and how that affects the loop and other things happening in the loop without going into detail, obviously. I don't want to spoil any players, but um, I would like to I'd like to think that some GMs get some a good idea of what's going on here. Brilliant. Um, and when you mentioned the loop, the loop is the Norfolk loop that was created, yes. I think, in the back of our friends, the machines, which was uh, included a uh, how to build your own loop in your in your local uh, area, as it were. Um, yes. So was that your inspiration from the start or did Free League say, well, we've got a loop in England. Why don't you set it there? What was your 
Um, I, I actually, if I recall correctly, I think I approached them with the idea of doing it there because I'm from the UK. I grew up in Surrey, which isn't isn't Norfolk. Um, I uh, When I run games, I run them with the idea of these local area concepts in my head mm. uh, and trying to run games of Tales from the Loop for groups outside of the UK. I find it very hard to navigate the intricate details of pop culture and so forth in other areas mm. even just doing it for american people there's a very different idea of what it means to be an american child from a british child so i i felt i had to do it from the perspective of who i was um, and so setting it in the uk was best there was already an existing loop there and so i did it from that within mm. the book there are um there are paragraphs there are uh, sections devoted to if you run this in Sweden, you do it via this one. And if you run it in America, you do it this way. Uh, different names of uh, power groups and different names for people, for example. Is the Swedish version from um, They Grow Up So Fast, is that still in the Melloran Islands where the original was? Uh, yes, it, 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 it is. is written it's as... a new loop entirely. No, it is written as though it is the classic loop, quote-unquote. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um. But yeah, that's. Uh, I I just felt like I was able to write it better with some sort of references to what I remember being uh, being between zero and five growing up in the UK, um, mm -hmm. and some of the some of the pop culture references, some of the ways that people acted, um, some of the news I remember being on, um, and uh, I think there's a there's a couple of a uh, couple of almost parodies of pop culture icons in some of the some of the people that the players engage with. Excellent. Um, yeah. Excellent. Did, Excellent. Did you always want to do something in Tales from the Loop? Or was this just an idea that came to you that, that sort of meshed with the the sort of nostalgic 80s vibe? So it, I don't think it's a case of I always wanted to do Tales from the Loop. Um, I think it's more of a case of I had an inspiration to do something yeah. and when because I'd already written for some other role-playing games I felt empowered to have that ability to do that mm. uh, I I emailed them and I was uh, from what I understand from talking to other people I was very fortunate that uh, that they got back to me and said yes I understand that they are as they're so busy with so many projects and they usually have people in mind for most of them um, that I was very fortunate to find a little niche where they wanted some extra writing um, but it, I think it was more, maybe I just had a bugbear about the idea mm -hmm. that this specific trope hadn't been caught onto. And yeah. so I was able to, to have this seed of an idea and then snowball it into something bigger. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I just want to go back in time a little bit. Mm. Um, what, are, what, where else have we seen your writing? You've done Dragon Age, you mentioned. Yes. Uh, so the first thing I ever wrote was Dragon Age Faces of Thedas, which was one of their supplements about bringing all the NPCs and power groups from the from the game into one book. Yeah. Um, I I'm just looking at my shelf. Um, uh, Star Trek Adventures is the one I'm I most proud say, of. I think I, I think I saw your name in a Star Trek Adventures book I was looking at the other day. I am a yeah. I am a huge Star Trek nerd. Um, mm -hmm. I will mm -hmm. gladly say that. Uh, as of the time of recording this, I think there's 900 pieces of Star Trek media out there, and I have uh, I've got a, an Excel sheet, and I've watched about 800 of them, so only a few more. Um, and now, as, 
Mm-hmm. A few years ago, I um, I set myself the target of watching every Star Trek episode, yeah. not the, the 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 cartoon, but the all the live stuff. And I got as far as I got through original series, Enterprise, Next Generation, and then I lost the will to live during Voyager. Oh wow! Okay, because I've watched it all back to back oh, on the train, fair. going in and out of London. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, I, I'm currently I'm currently trying to get through the original series, and unfortunately, as it's not something I watched when I was younger, because it's a very older style of TV, I'm having a lot of trouble with it. Um, I know <laughs> that it it kind of it reaches a peak in season uh, like near the end of season one, but yeah. we'll we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, I I also just getting back to the original question, I did also work on Fallout. Um, Homeworld Revelations, which I was very, very proud of because I think that was my favorite video game from when I was when I was younger. Uh, Fantasy Age, I've worked on the bestiary for that. Um, there's also uh, there's also a couple of other things that I don't think have been announced yet that I have worked on that exist in various pipelines. Cool. Well, you can announce them here if you want, <laughs> <laughs> and never no, I... get to work again. Yeah, but that's 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 the thing. Um, yeah. I like I'm I'm very proud of the work that I have done and it is it has been an absolute joy working with the people who work in this interest industry mm. because they really care about it. Yeah, um yeah. if I did have any sort of soapbox to stand on, it is that unfortunately, um and I haven't had this problem with Free League, they've been amazing. Uh pay writers more, please. Yeah. Um, I realize that every Every everybody is is in the situation of, of paying people more these days. However, hearing about some people working for Wizards of the Coast who were paid pittance for their for their writing mm. has really gotten given me a soapbox. Um, yeah. uh, I, think, I think you're absolutely right. I think now because I've so Alien was was mine and Matthew's first published work, mm. so we were very lucky, very fortunate through a, a series of events. Um, to be able to work on the original core book a little bit, mm-hmm. and just a little bit, over, over, thing. a, li- yeah, a little bit. Gasker sort of, yeah. isn't our joint pen name like James S. Corbin. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but that was our that was our first, uh, you know, foray. Mm. And as as of sort of three weeks ago, um, I'd quit my job because I had an opportunity, and I'm gonna I'm now trying to do it full time. So exactly, I I completely get where you're coming from on the. Please pay us more, and like you say, free league are pretty generous. They they um, are. I, I quite a few of the others I've talked to are quite generous as well. But you're right that um, you know you you look at think, God, great, I've got this fabulous job, and mm. then you work out how much you're going to get paid for it. You know, okay, yeah, that's fine if I'm a hobbyist. But now I'm trying to earn a living out of it. I would wouldn't mind a bit more. But... Yeah, it it's it's when I did a small amount of work for a uh, a magazine. It was uh, Dragon Plus back in the day, and. As that no longer exists, I will happily pay that. Say that they paid twenty-five cents a word. Oh wow! Where, whereas, um, whereas uh, various, uh, I've heard <laughs> from some people that Wizards of the Coast pays less than five cents a word to some people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, pay people more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Free League are wonderful. They do do a great job with with what they offer compared to everybody else. Um, so I'm not besmirching them when talking about them and their wonderful products. Mm. Um, so, uh, however, when it just comes down to brass tacks and it's how many words can I write in a day and how much money am I getting per day in this job? You have to, um, 
you have to look at things and I would not be at all surprised if the vast majority of people in some areas of this job are doing it as a hobby rather than a uh, yeah. full-time role because they have to have a full-time job on top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're getting away from the, yeah. the, the yeah. uh, I, I, as I said, it was a, uh, it was a soapbox. Um, <laughs> and soapbox it's not to do with this game. And uh, ask yeah, yeah. Them, uh, more uh, questions related to the product itself. Although yeah. we're, we're fast coming up on our time. I've got a couple of questions so, again from our patrons. Well, well, in the Dave. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, so um, have you got any more plans to do any more Tales of the Loop? Is there anything in the in the pipeline that that you can talk about? Um, so I don't think it's against the rules for me to say that I don't have anything currently in the pipeline. I would be more than happy to, and I am occasionally in contact with them just to say, hey, I'm, I'm free, I'm available. But as far as I know, their dock is quite full right now mm-hmm. um, with, uh, with other things that they are working on. Um, but uh, I would be more than happy to to jump on that ship once again and sail mm. with it because it was a fantastic experience. Mm. They are they are very good uh, people to work with, and uh, yeah, it was it was I it was certainly echo good. that sure. And um, frankly, five five years after originally writing things, I can look back at my uh, my my writing back in the day and and think I could probably make something far better because I've had more experience since then. Mm. Um, the uh, I, I'm fairly sure that the the editors did uh, a fantastic job of of clearing up my overuse of the word that or something like that back in <laughs> back when I uh, from from as I said it was 2017. This was uh, a few years after I started writing in the industry, so there's probably some areas that they had to smooth out. Um, but I'm very proud of the work that I did. I think it it's um, I think that its quality is is quite clear. And uh, as far as I, I'm aware, it's only bigger and better from now on. So I would love to work with them again. Yeah, cool. Brilliant. Okay, I've got one question that you may not be able to answer. Yep. Do you know if there are any plans to translate it into Swedish? Um, I Swedish listeners, obviously. That yeah, that's fair. Um, I so I cannot answer that for certain. Um, I do think that I saw a post somewhere on the internet from one of the people saying that there were no plans at present however please don't take that uh please don't take that as uh as gospel um do your own research on that please <laughs> nicholas does amend that with probably not right um i i i don't know it may be like for the reasons behind that i would i could only speculate it might be that they don't feel like the uh the loop in um the Norfolk Broads loop will translate well to to a, a Swedish yeah. crowd or something like that, mm. um, and it might also be that. Um, no, I'm I'm just speculating at this point. I don't know. <laughs> and that would be a business decision a that bit. I'm not involved with. Sorry. Uh, so maybe maybe you don't need to answer this question, or you are that you already have. Uh, so Bruce asks, are any of your childhood experiences hidden in the game? Mm-hmm. Um, as a, uh, I kind of said before that there is a, there is a at least one sort of parody of a, um, of a, a beloved childhood pop culture figure in one of the the characters in it. Um, it's as for, mallet, isn't it? 
it's it's not <laughs> when 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 going through things i did have like an art board up and timmy mallet was one of the things uh and shouting i think it was top banana was the the tv show that i watched back in the day that anybody american reading this would be like what the hell so yeah. it would it had to be um so so i do imagine that any americans reading book would not get any any pop culture references i make but um there in terms of uh oh um so there's a few things that people outside of the the country of the uk might not know and that is that um the schools in the uk um it's not just a thing out of uh a certain book series but there are houses in uh in many uk schools um when i was when i was young yeah when i was young Sorry. When, when I was, uh, it's fine. When I was younger, um, our houses were named after battles that I believe Britain won. So we had Agincourt, Alamein, Blenheim, Trafalgar, and Waterloo, and I was House Blenheim. Um, I have no idea what the Battle of Blenheim was. I, I, I could probably look it up, and and it's probably around the same era as the rest of them. Um, but the um, earlier, the school in that has, yeah, the school in the the book has uh, a series of, um. A series of houses that the, the players can feel uh linked to in some way the the school is involved in multiple of the adventures just as a as a place where the all the characters can sort of culminate as what at one point of the day and then either after school they can go from there and 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 do the supernatural thing while in the school they um they will have a chance to have the sort of mundane aspect of of tales from luke yeah, which is yeah. you know you you engage with the 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 teachers or the school um popular people or the bullies or whatever it is um and um the sorry my mind's gone black for a second i i i always loved that tales from luke combined this idea of mundane scenes with supernatural scenes yeah and sometimes they meld together really well so at, at various points there you will need to as i said look after this this life um and it is the players will have to make a decision of do they just keep it in the hideout do they take it somewhere do they take it to school like mm-hmm. do they have to hide it in the backpack the 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 person running the game will have to ask the players what they do with it. And if they take it to school, obviously there's going to be situations that can crop up and the person running the game will have to have to improvise on those as they go. Mm-hmm. Excellent. This, this sounds really, really good. good. And it, if yeah. anybody's looking to get away from the uh, the recent franchise, which has soured somewhat in a lot of fans' minds, but still want some want of that, that schoolhouse action, <laughs> then this is, this is the perfect place to come. There is one important media question I do have to finish this interview mm-hmm. with, and that is, what do you think of Fury Road, the latest Mad Max? <laughs> um, I I saw it in the cinema. It is a fantastic piece of cinema, very engaging. The scene in the sandstorm, I think, is one of the most... Um, uh, it takes you into the feeling of, of being there more than many other uh, cinematic... Uh, uh, scenes that have happened recently. Um, I have not seen it since I saw it first in the cinema because because of that scene and the feeling that I will not get the same out of it on my small TV with without the feeling of reverberating engines all around me, without this feeling of being so immersed. Um, 
but I would love to experience that. Like if it came out in the cinema again, I would love to see that again. It was a very, very fun movie. Um, That's it, Dave. That's where you've gone wrong. You didn't see it at the cinema. We're, we're having an ongoing debate from the last podcast because I hated it and I couldn't even finish it. <laughs> what um, is it that you didn't like in, in a short, I don't want to keep you too long. Um, It just, it just annoyed me. Okay. The whole thing, just the, the, the setup annoyed me and yeah, I just didn't like it. It was a long time ago. I was watching it on the TV at home, so maybe it would have been different if I'd watched maybe. it at the big screen. It might have been more of a spectacle. And also, yeah. I don't really have a, a like a nostalgia for the old movies. I do have I, a lot of nostalgia for the old movies, yeah. I have absolutely none, so there's every chance that I was able to take in this one and not care about the old ones so much. Yeah. Just be like, there's a guy called Man Max, I know he drives a car. And I, I'm broadly aware of the fact the first one was set in Australia and then the second one, who knows? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that might there might quite have been a... As with many movies, an expectation or a hope that was then kind of dashed. And it was particularly badly dashed for me in this one, in that it's very rare that I don't even bother finishing to watch a movie. So, uh, Were you built up on it, though? Because I find that's a problem with a lot of people. In that they were, not they're sure told... I particularly was, no. Oh. no sure that's very was. disappointing. But yeah. um, um don't don't make excuses for him, Oz. He's just wrong. Everybody, <laughs> all of our patrons have agreed. Basically, on our Discord, they've been bullying me for the last week mm. since I said that. And it, no, okay. it's bullying. Yeah, I, I had to come off it for 24 hours because it was getting me down. Um bastards. I, I enjoyed Mad Max. I don't think it's the best movie I've ever seen. I think it has some wonderful moments, some completely over-the-top and silly moments. Obviously, a lot of the memes have come out of, such as the guitar with the flames and all that. But um, It's nice to hear a more measured view yeah. on the, the ranting fan base that is yeah. our Discord. I, I'm yeah I'm 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 not going to come in and say that it's the the greatest movie I've ever seen. That's Star Trek 2009, and even uh-huh. even though a lot of Star Trek people will hate me for that, um, <laughs> I uh, I I I think that uh, Star Trek 2009 is a fantastic um, uh, movie from scene to scene to scene. Although it is a movie that afterwards you sit down and go. That movie didn't make sense, really, did it? <laughs> like as like, as so many movies, movies nowadays though, these days. Yeah. It, it it it's a movie that in the moment you can watch and really really enjoy the music is fantastic the visuals are fantastic the moment moment scene to scene to scene is mm. is great um just don't think about it too much enjoy yeah, the I, movie for the movie i think there's definitely a big thing about just enjoy it as a spectacle yes. and don't think about it too hard yes yeah yeah i thoroughly I enjoyed thor love and thunder and then i thought but it was stupid yeah. I, I haven't seen that one yet. We're we're currently yeah. we're watching everything in uh, chronological order. Um, right. in my wife and with the child, we're having to find moments to watch yeah, these yeah. things. We're just just finishing up Miss Marvel now, and I think Thor and Love and Thunder is either just before or just after She Hulk, and we're we're going to have to figure out where, how we watch those. We also have to see Wakanda Forever. We've got a good few things to watch. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we better let you get back to the TV. It's yes. been real. <laughs> Pleasure talking with you, Oz. And um, yeah, thanks for coming on, Oz. It's been great. Maybe you and Dave will meet up professionally at uh, Modifius at some point because uh, maybe Dave's doing some work there as well. I hear. I'm not allowed to say anything yeah. about it, but I hear that's the case. Oh, are you under the old friend DA? As I as I hear it's called. Um, I am certainly for some of it. There's. Uh, I think I can talk about Cohort Cthulhu. I think. Yeah, I think you're. That right. has so, been announced. Yes. Podcast, but so. uh, there is there is something else that I can't talk about. Otherwise, it has been an absolute pleasure uh, talking with both of you. Likewise, um, thank you, Oz. You've been very friendly. Thank you.
Brilliant. It's been lovely. And to be if here. you have any social media, we'll put that in the show notes so people can follow you. Yeah. Um, my Twitter can be found at at Osmills. Um, if you search on um, the the various ones that have appeared since Twitter has become its own shit show, then uh, you can probably find me on there. Uh, just Osmills is a unique enough name that yeah, I shouldn't be too hard to find. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Osmills. You're very welcome. <laughs> cool. Brilliant. Thank you. So um, he's a lovely bloke, Oz. He's a lovely bloke. Great to talk to. It was um, great fun. Really enjoyed chatting to him. That was really nice. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing that interested me most was the time gap between him putting the proposal down <laughs> and them getting back to him saying, yes, we want to do this. Um, it yeah. made me feel, you know, we, we've been waiting a few months now uh, after we put our proposal together for um, Toto for yeah. Nielsen, the others at Free League. And, and you know, part of me kind of wants to get on with, with well, let's make an alternative plan then. They're obviously not interested. But we haven't heard from them that they're not. No. We've heard nothing from them. And maybe we're going to have to wait two or three years. I mean, <laughs> I think I think we need to hurry them up a bit over that because, you know, I'm thinking of all di- sorts of different ways we could publish it in, in other ways. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I yeah. agree. It was, I mean, it was... It was it, it was interesting that that conversation and a couple of other conversations I've had with people who've who've worked with Free League have have explained that my experience working with them isn't unique, <laughs> which is so it's not it's so it's not just me. <laughs> they are obviously very busy and they they don't they don't waste their time um, on on fripperies or or unnecessary effort and or communication pleasant when, email saying hold on we're, we're getting there yeah exactly yeah they, they very when they have on the something job. to say then they'll communicate precisely precisely and and that's that's absolutely fine i mean they are supremely busy i mean how much stuff have they got on at the moment it's, it's enormous yeah. portfolio they've got got to put out um i yeah i mean i i haven't been worried about the lack of response on tales of the old west um partly because i was expecting it to take a long time um, but also, we can use some of this time to to refresh the rules and get them in the right place, which is something I'm definitely going to do. Going to turn my mind to when I've got um, when you've got way, any time at all. When I've got a bit of free space. Well, the thing is, it's it's very interesting. I mean, I've I have to keep reminding myself that I've only been doing this job as a freelancer for a month, mm. uh, no full full time. So it's okay for it to be a bit chaotic at the moment. It's okay for me to be scrabbling at every opportunity to, to find extra work and all that kind of stuff. Um, it will settle into a better rhythm and I will be better at, you know, getting work out more quickly, more efficiently and planning my time. So I suspect in the not too distant future, I will be able to devote time much more efficiently to different things. And Toto is going to be one of those on that list for sure. Yeah, and it's time and money as well. So, you know, you need to get an idea because obviously um, money will come in only when invoices are paid and yeah. probably different companies have different terms for when when they let you invoice them and all sorts of shit. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, to think vaguely to try and get into your head what is, if you like, my monthly, my notional monthly income, even yeah. if I'm not actually getting any, and then spreading, you know, those invoices out over the month to get them. And then thinking about, well, you know, what is the amount of time I deliver? What What is the amount of time I need to spend to get that notional monthly income? Because yeah, at the moment, yeah. you're probably, 
I imagine working almost every hour God sends to to just get as much work as you can in. But yeah. you know, just, yeah, you don't. Yeah, I, I don't need yeah. to tell you all of this. <laughs> Pretty um, much. I mean, I'm I'm quite lucky. In fact, I'm I'm very lucky in that I. It doesn't matter if if my work gets uh, paid for in feast and famine. You know, if I get paid for mm. stuff that I've done, you know, this month or last month in three months' time, that's okay for me personally. That's because, okay. You've got enough to live on. Because the situation in, in I'm in is that I don't yeah. need that money every month just to survive. And if I know it's going to come, it's fine. I can account and budget for that, which is great. Um, so I think in that sense, I'm luckier than a lot of other people who might be in a similar position yes. to me. Um, but yeah, absolutely. It needs to be, I need to manage my time more effectively. I need to be, I work much more. I, okay, this is going to sound odd considering this morning's malarkey. So we, we were recording this an hour and four minutes later than we should have been because I completely overslept. And I woke up at half past nine and saw the text from Matt saying, oh, I assume you're not making it for nine then. Um, I work much better if I get up early and do and um, work in the morning and start and start early. So I got to organise myself to get up early and do the most of my work in the morning, and then uh, uh, a kind of my productivity dips in the afternoon, shall we say? But it's all about getting uh, getting a good rhythm going and saying being kind to myself that I haven't done that already because I've only been doing it a month. Yeah, I, I've I've read of more than one writer who gets up really early in the morning, like five o'clock in the morning, and basically does a day's work, you know, before 11 o'clock or whatever, and then has the rest of the day off, as mm. it were, because they find that morning period, particularly when nobody else is up, is a really useful time for working. So, yeah. Although I can't quite believe that you could get up at five o'clock in the morning, Dave, that might be uh, a habit to try and get into. Yeah, I mean, not routinely. If I could, if I could get up and be at my desk by seven every morning, which right. is not which is not undoable, um, that would that no. would that would be good. I mean, I, I'm usually at my desk by eight, and sometimes a bit earlier than that. But, yeah. Um, and but you're it's... often at the at the recording uh, studio by um by ten o'clock in the morning. So, so this weekend has been has been a bit strange. I, I think I've got a little bug, which I think is possibly making mm -hmm. me tired. Um, there is definitely I'm I'm noticing a mental drain by doing this work because it does obviously use a lot of you know mental yes effort and mental I am labor. I am finding that by the end of the week I am kind of you know the well is dry a bit. Um, although that doesn't stop me. Like this week, doing stuff on Star Trek Year Zero <laughs> in my free time, <laughs> um, and uh, and sort of done a lot of walking with the dog. So I wonder if all those three combinations, things combined, to uh, to make me sleep a lot because I slept in a long time yesterday as well, which is unusual for me because um, normally I'm awake by by eight, even if I don't want to be. Maybe I should let you get back to bed or to work, <laughs> whichever is your plan, or. Um... Start cooking your roast lunch because I know I'm going to have a roast lunch today. Yeah, that is my Sunday. That is my Sunday job. It'll be walking the dog next. That'll be the next thing. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we've got uh, a little poussin each, which I'm going to roast. Ooh, mini I ones. Yeah. I, many years ago, my first Christmas with my um, wife, Sue, 
it was determined uh, that I didn't want to actually spend Christmas with my family because this is our first time since we got married. Oh, yeah. So I hosted Sue in my little flat in Brighton. Now, I had a clapped-out old oven in my little flat. Cooker, I should say. You know, one of those stand-up cookers. Yeah. The oven didn't work. So I couldn't cook a roast dinner in the oven. Yeah. I had the hob and I had the grill. And instead of, you know, any sort of roast bird, I spatchcock a couple of quail oh. and grilled them. And that was bloody delicious. Okay, cool. It's one of the best Christmas dinners I've ever had. And we had, um, I did a carrot and um, sweet mash, a sort of bed of a carrot and sweet mash for the nice. mom. It was, um, yeah, it was a very alternative Christmas, but but very, very tasty. I hadn't realised there was the Jamie Oliver in you. Although I did a bit, actually, because you do make some very lovely food for us when we come around and play a game at your place. Uh, so I shouldn't mm. have been surprised, actually. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. I think I think let's move on to the next episode because I think now we really are boring our listeners who've stayed this long. <laughs> so, well, you've got to remember, actually, one of our earliest episodes I did my um, Coriolis curry recipe. You know, we should consider doing more recipes in future episodes. <laughs> okay, but that's, not next that's, episode. That's your job, then, mate. Obviously, next episode will be right in the middle of the. Uh, Walking Dead campaign. Yep. So without making any promises, I hope to get uh, Matthias. Um, oh, God, which Matthias is it? It's Jonsson uh, Harker. Is it? Yes, it is. It is. So, yeah, we're hoping to get is Matthias it? on the show to talk about The Walking Dead um, for, yes. for next time, which will be, uh, Thank you. as you say, slap bang in the middle of the, the Kickstart campaign. Cool. So, say so no. He has, we haven't managed to uh, arrange an appointment yet, but Matthias is usually pretty keen and pretty good about um, uh, doing these things. So, hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll have Matthias on the show next time. Yes, and we only thought about it this weekend, so you know he's allowed to have a weekend off and come back to us in a while. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and he's got two weeks to come back to us, so I'm sure we'll have an interview by then. But if yeah. not, we will have something else. <laughs> we will. Cool. My recipe special. <laughs> okay, let's hope Mateus can can come along. <laughs> right, I think that's probably enough for one week or one fortnight. Yep. So, um, unless there's anything else, Matt. No, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. And may the icons bless your adventures. You have been listening to the Effect podcast, presented by Fiction Suit and the RPG Gods. Music stars on a black sea, used with permission of Free League Publishing.